welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I'm here again with Natasha Mason. I just thought I'd give it a little that more. That was not necessary. I thought I'd give it some kind of like, you know, movie intro, Natasha Mason. So anyway, um, we are back again for another episode. Thanks for listening. I uh, just want to let you know up front, you can reach us at theabnormalchristian at gmail.com. We'd be happy to have your email questions or prayer requests or anything else you want to talk about. Um, we are still, uh, open to speaking engagements. If you have a congregation or youth group or a senior center or whatever, I don't care. You want me to come to your house and talk to you about Jesus in your driveway? I'm good with that. As long as it's within, um, reasonable drive, driving distance. If you're going to pay for an airplane ticket, I'm good with that too. Um, and I'll ha- I'm happy if you know somebody who needs, um, you want somebody to be ministered to or witnessed to, and you say, Hey Brad, come out and talk to my friend, Paul. I need to talk, you know, I'll, I'm coming. I'll, I'll be there. Um, so then that, that is how honestly, how willing I am to talk to people about Jesus. I don't, I don't really care if they know me or not. It doesn't matter. Um, because ultimately that the goal is salvation and we want people to have that, um, and to reach out. So, um, this episode is going to be, um, we, I don't even really know what I want to title this yet. Um, it's really about the church, uh, a, a church in California, um, that is called Bethel, uh, Bethel church. A little bit of backstory on this um, this episode. Something really uh, dramatic is kind of going on right now with the Bethel Church, um, and we'll get into it. But really, I, I want to tie this in a little bit to a couple years ago, probably before uh, Natasha and I were dating. I don't remember. Uh, when I was the um, quality ambassador guy, right, was, was right. I dating you at the time? Yes, you were. But I wasn't dating you bef- when I started that job. I'd already had that job. Nah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I remember. Don't, no, I think it was so, well. Yeah, whatever. it was. I, I, this is like over eight years ago, right? Because yeah, it's, it's probably over eight, eight or nine years ago. So um, this is maybe nine, ten years ago when I actually started doing this. So I got this job and I had a nice office and I was working third shift and uh, I didn't have a lot of people around me. I really worked by myself. I worked among a, bu- a bunch of other people. Um, but I worked by myself. And I've always had this dream and goal in my life that I always wanted to write a book. And I, I think everybody gets that in their head that, hey, I want to write a book before, you know, I pass away or I go on to whatever. Um, because you want to leave something behind for other people to read, maybe your grandchildren, your children, the family, you know, generations, whatever. So I got this idea probably eight, nine years ago that I was going to write a book. And I always enjoyed an uh, author named Frank Peretti. Um, this Present Darkness, uh, Piercing the Darkness. I mean, I read everything Frank Peretti wrote, and I really enjoyed his writing style. It was uh, fiction. Uh, but it was based on spiritual warfare. It was based on biblical principles. And so I had made up my mind, this is what I was going to write, right? So I'm, I'm going to write one of those books. I really enjoy that. I really like that. I have this overactive imagination. Um, yes, he does. Right. I have this overactive imagination. So this is something I could probably do. So uh, on my lunch breaks, I started writing a book and I started, uh, and, and I decided because of my affinity, I should say that maybe use that word, uh, my affinity for the state of California, I had decided that I was going to write a book that was going to be based in California. Um, the reason for this is that I personally, and I know m- other people will disagree with me on this. I personally believe that a lot of our current changes within the body of Christ, the church, the congregation, 
is emanating or coming from the state of California. Um, I really feel like a lot of our political processes and a lot of the way our country has been going has been really pushed on us from the media, from Hollywood, from California. Um, so, you know, eight years ago, I had this idea. I'm going to write a book and I'm going to base it out of California. So I just kind of got this uh, map of California and I'm like, I need somewhere because I've got this mountain in the story and I'm going to need somewhere to do this where uh, it makes sense. So I picked this random city in California, Redding, California. And so I really get into uh, looking up uh, the city itself. I'm using street names. I'm using local landmarks. I'm really doing research on the city because as I tell the story, I want to make sure that I'm being pretty accurate because I want to build this idea that this is a real place that people are going to go to. If you go to Redding, California, you're going to see the Shasta Memorial Hospital. That's in part of my story. I use these locations. So what the story was really, the book is called Wind Cedar Falls and it is on Amazon right now. It's, I've got somebody editing it more professionally because it's not professionally edited, Um, but it is on Amazon. And if you wanted to buy it, you could, but the interesting thing that I want to bring up, the reason I bring this up is because the story itself is happening right now. Well, it's trying to happen. So in the book, I wrote about a mega church because uh, eight years ago, 10 years ago, mega churches were becoming the new wave, right? So it was these uh, arena, arena, uh, arena filled type situations where um, lights and smoke and, and large sound stages and uh, you got to have the biggest band and you got to have TVs everywhere and you had to have lasers and you got to have this countdown before the church service. Not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. That was just the idea um, that I was trying to present in the book. The this was a huge church in in my story. It was. Um, So in the story, I'll just give you a little bit of it because it it relates. Um, In my story, the church was caught up in signs and wonders. They wanted to see these magical things happen and these mystical things happen. And uh, there was a resurrection of someone who died in the story. Um, And the church, the people saw the the pastor and the the assistant pastor. They were just doing miracles, right? Um, Because honestly, in my opinion, if you know anything about the book of Revelation, it says in the last day that two come forth, that there's a false prophet in the Antichrist. And, And it says that it says they do many signs and wonders. Um, and so they're going to do a lot of miracles and things that are going to really entrap people into believing that the anti-Messiah, the false Messiah is Christ to begin with. People are going to say, Oh, this is Jesus. He's come back. Um, because he can do these miracles. He's maybe he does raise the dead. Maybe he does, you know, heal a lame person. I, I mean, they're going to be doing these, these miracles and people are going to be captivated by it. So I wrote this story, um, and I actually finished it. It only took me five years <laughs> of on and off writing. It took it took because I just I switched jobs a couple times, and uh, the interest would wane and come back. So I really, you know, uh, for more or less, the Lord never told me to write a book. It was just something I wanted to do, and enjoyed doing it. So uh, fast forward to maybe a year or so ago, and I really started seeing stuff about this church called Bethel. Um, one of the things we did a a episode, a podcast episode called reckless, not reckless. And uh, it was after we had gone and seen, uh, our favorite musician. Crowder. Yes. Uh, there was a gentleman there who sang reckless love and I had heard the song, but I didn't really pay attention to the lyrics and I wasn't really paying attention to what it said. And so after we got home, we sat and I started listening to it and we started talking about it and it really just rubbed me all wrong. And I'm like, this song is just, and, and so people were nitpicking it at the time on the internet. They're all, y'all are just being too sensitive. You're just being too, uh, you know, 
you're just trying to find something wrong trying with everything. Trying to be everything. a Christian snob. Yeah, and so, you know, and, and part of that, so anyway, I started looking into who, where it came from, and so come to find out, it's one of the singers at this church called Bethel, and uh, it's in Redding, California, where the, the city that I used in my book, and we kind of chuckled about that, because I was like, this is just really weird, because this is, so anyway, um, looking through some of the things, I've mentioned some things online about Bethel Church. I've posted, reposted some things that I've seen and read. Um, I've had a few people say, oh, they're not that bad. And I've had a couple of issues come up. Um, so one of the, and we're really going to talk about Bethel because uh, again, there's something going on there. Um, but I got into this article about the grave soaking that they were doing. Remember mm. we talked about that. Um, they believed that you could go to a cemetery where someone was buried who used to be uh, what we would consider to be a warrior in the Lord or, or someone who was very spirit-filled. For example, if you wanted to go to Franklin Graham's. Yes, yes, that's a great example. Or Billy um, Graham, excuse me. Yeah, he's a one-up. Well, yeah, Franklin's still here. He's so still I don't alive, think he, He's not going to appreciate that. Sorry, Frank. <laughs> um, so anyway, you could go to Billy Graham's. In their belief, um, you could go to uh, Billy Graham's cemetery, wherever he's buried, and you could stand on his grave and you or could... lay on it. Yes, or you could lay on him. it. And you could soak up the Holy spirit that was in him because it's supposedly still there. And they use the, uh, uh, the bones. Uh, I think it was one of the prophets was thrown. I can't remember the story off the top of my head, but he was thrown into the grave where the bones were and he rose up and it, it was just, uh, they use this crazy idea that, um, they could get this, uh, these spiritual gifts from God that someone else had like, you know, well, he had the power to, to change the world. So we're going to soak that up. We're going to go over here and we're going to stand here until it just, uh, it, but it doesn't work like that. But anyway, so they had this whole supernatural ministry thing. What was the name of it? Do you remember? Um, the school of supernatural ministry. Well, there it is. Um, well, because I was watch, I was looking on Instagram and, uh, you know, I was scrolling through there and I saw this picture where all these people had their hands like in a circle and they had the word olive written on it. Right. And right. it was, you know, it has a little comment underneath talking about we're all praying for olive. So I, I just Googled olive and Bethel church and it, it come to find out the little baby, like two year old had died last Saturday. I think. Yeah. And <clears throat> the mother was a, a singer there or something. And she's part of this, School of Supernatural Ministry, which right. I thought was a very strange well, name. Well, okay, so the the School of Supernatural Ministry, when you say that, it really, and I, I, you say what you want, it really honestly sounds like something out of Harry Potter. And, you know, and all they left off was wizards. I mean, that's the only word they left out that you, you, but it does. And so what they've got is a, they've got this school where they have people come and they train them in the supernatural because they believe that they have some supernatural abilities uh, provided to them through the Father, through God, um, of healing, of prophecy. So uh, quickly in the, in the story of this, Bethel is considered to be part of the NAR, which is the New Apostolic Reformation. There are traditionally believed to be like five branches of churches, uh, Protestants, Catholics. I mean, there's five different mainline groups. Um, Bethel has tried, tr the new apostolic reformation is trying to become a new branch of Christianity. They want their own version. And basically what they believe is that Jesus is still picking apostles out of the world. Well, you know, anyway, I was, so I went and Googled school of supernatural ministry and then they, they actually use. Um, Acts chapter three and four, right. where the Holy Ghost comes down sure. the day of Pentecost, and they're saying that this is why 
we can be filled with the Holy Ghost and do these One, supernatural right, right. things, which I thought found very strange because we were doing the study yes. of Acts. So if you're doing if you haven't heard our study of Acts, I would encourage you to go and listen to that. We're actually on we'll be on chapter seven next week. One of the things and this is really interesting, um, because why why would you, why did Jesus do miracles? Why did he do why did he raise people from the dead? Why did he do that? What was the purpose? Um, to show his power? Yes, to show that he was the Messiah, to show that he had the power of God in him. That's the exact purpose of him doing all the miracles. He did everything so he could show his authority, right? Um, so when you come to Acts, it's the same thing. The Holy Spirit, now Jesus has ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1, um, and you get to Acts chapter 3 of the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit descends upon them, and they immediately start speaking in tongues, but it's understandable language. Right. Um, and people can discern what they are saying. They it's don't need an gibberish. interpreter. Right, exactly. They don't need an interpreter. And the whole reason for that was that God wanted to establish that his Holy Spirit was in this group. This He's, is his church. He set the precedent there. Absolutely. So you don't have to continue to set the same precedent. No, you don't. It's already been set. Correct. So the disciples did go around doing miracles. They did do things that were supernatural and spectacular. But even in that, we've got to be very specific when we say that. Because did they they do anything? No. No, they did not. Did them? Did Peter, by virtue of saying something, make anything happen? No. No, he didn't. It, this is the main thing that the uh, the New Apostolic Reformation doesn't seem to understand, um, and we'll get into. It. We're almost there. Um, they don't understand. What they don't understand is that our words, we don't control anything God does. We can't make God do anything. We can't even presume to speak on his behalf when it comes to uh, healings, supernatural things. We can't. We, we should not even try to do that. There's nothing wrong with saying, I'm going to pray for you and we believe that the Lord can do this, but if he decides not to, I have to be willing to accept that part. And this is where we're at. They're not. They're not even willing to accept this part. So... Natasha had mentioned it. Um, apparently, last Saturday, um, the family there. I, There's, I she's part of this church, and her right. two year old daughter didn't wake up, basically. Yeah. So and they found her at home, and she was uh, she had passed away. Um, in I her believe, sleep overnight, right. what have you. I think it said she was face down or something like that. So they took her to the hospital, and they were unable to revive her. I don't even know if they tried, but it said that she was pronounced uh, dead at the hospital, which is a horribly, upfront, horribly tragic. We have a four-year-old, and uh, I told Natasha, I said, it, uh, is absolutely, it would be devastating. It was absolutely devastating. Um, and I would want, I would desire the same thing that they want. Um, but I, I understand what, how God works, right? So what they're asking for since last Saturday has been that everyone pray with them and agree that their child should be resurrected from and, the dead. And today is Thursday that we're doing this podcast. So we're talking about five days. Yes. So, um, and I understand that. I understand the pain. I understand wanting, you would love to have your child back. I am not taking that away from anybody. Um, and I will not disparage that side of the desire of wanting you have your children around. I get that. Um, but anyway, so they, they started off on Sunday after the day after the child died, the mother's at the church and she's just stirring up the crowd. And they're really, they're really getting into this idea that if we speak it and we profess it to be so, then it's going to happen. And if um, we're all in agreement yes, as and, for the resurrection, yes, 
sacrifice of this child that is going to happen. So there's millions of people all around the world on the Twitter, on the Twitter, they're on Twitter and they're on Facebook and they're on Instagram and they're just agreeing and they're, and they're proclaiming rise up, wake up, you know? Um, and they're saying all these things because they, they put so much emphasis on what they say. Understand the disciples had no power in and of themselves except for the Holy spirit. And the only time they spoke to someone was, was through the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit wanted them to do something, he made it known, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't just them walking up in their own strength and saying, you know what, I feel like today you should, uh, you should get up. It was the Holy Spirit working in them. Um, and so uh, a couple days go by, uh, three days actually went past, and there were posting on Twitter, uh, you know, hey, th- day three is a great day for resurrection. Um, and it doesn't happen. And on day four comes along and, and Bill Johnson, the quote unquote pastor of Bethel church makes this whole the thing. Leader. Yes. He makes this whole thing about how Jews believe that the spirit hangs around for three days. And then on the, this is why Jesus waited to raise Lazarus from the dead. You don't find that in the Bible anywhere. I, mean, I don't even care if Jews actually did believe that. Um, you don't find that in the scripture. So you don't use, when it comes to the power and authority of God, you don't use extra critic curricular sources to try and uh, justify your position. It's ridiculous. Well, I saw on the side of a milk carton. I mean, you might as well say that I saw on the side of a milk carton that little Timmy was found. Come on. I mean, that's ridiculous. So day four goes by and, uh, nothing has changed. Uh, the, the actual update is, uh, no, the child's condition has not changed. And it's, and he actually says in the video, cause I watched it that, well, that the, was child, today. the child is still in the morgue. Yeah. So today they, they re, he released a video talking about, uh, Bill Johnson did about this whole incident and about what was going on. And, um, he said, what was it? He said about, hold on, I'm going <clears> to <throat> pull up my text that I sent okay. you because I, I quoted it. <laughs> So uh, the the main thing here is, and here's the here's the whole story behind the thing. So the the book that I was writing a couple years ago was really about a church that was taken over by people who desired to see the supernatural because people are not satisfied with the word of God, and that's a problem because what happens is is when the supernatural doesn't happen the way that you think it should, then your faith you, that you think you had is is damaged because you put your your faith in all these wonderful works. I have a friend of mine I've known him for years. He went to a a, uh, a church and uh, it was a very, uh, you know, speaking in tongues and it was all this healing and all these things. And once his, um, once all that failed him, his faith and his relationship that was done, it was absolutely done. He was done. He didn't need God. He didn't want God. He was done because he didn't put his faith in the word of God and what Jesus had done. He put his faith in these so supposed healings and actions. Now we don't take away from God that he can do anything. God can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Cause when I first read this and I immediately was skeptical and then I thought am I the one that's got the problem because I would lack I guess what you would say would be faith well and and that's the thing so here's this goes back to another point that we've made before is that God is not dependent upon us and our faith to do anything we depend upon him. We believe by faith that he was able to save us. That's how we believe, by faith. But he doesn't depend upon our faith to do anything. His goodness, his mercy, his righteousness, his healing, his supernatural abilities are not tied up in my faith or lack of faith, which is a problem because the NAR and those churches alike say, well, you didn't get healed because you don't have enough faith. And you'll never find that in the Bible. Now, the Lord does say thy faith is, Jesus said thy faith has made thee whole. I mean, there were times where that was ex- exclaimed, but that wasn't, his faith didn't do that. It was his faith in 
Jesus. And Jesus did that. That's what it was. Jesus's work that healed the person. Um, and so it's the same thing. We, we get caught up so much that if we can gather all these people up and we all have enough faith, if we can just have enough faith, then this will happen. And the problem is, is that we're trying to tell God what to do. We haven't, it's one thing to pray and say, father, I would really like this to occur. Um, but it's understanding that if it doesn't, then it's your will and I'm operating inside of your will. That's where I need to be. Who's to say, honestly, who's to say that the Lord in this, this tragic situation is not sparing them from something even worse. What if four years down the road, the kid is kidnapped? What if, what if something horrible happens to them physically? What if, you know, what if they catch a disease or they were going to die? There's so many things down the road we can't see and we don't know. But in this moment right now, we want our life fixed and we want it our way. And that's a problem because you don't know what you're asking for. God does. And it, it seems like a horrible situation and it's horribly tragic. Uh, but we don't know if this is the mercy of God. We don't know. But instead of believing in that, that this could be the mercy of God, this church has decided we're just going to tell God what to do, right? We're going to petition him. Well, I don't even, it, it comes <laughs> off even worse than that. It's not even so much a petition as telling. There are people who are making statements that uh, you demons let go of this little girl. What has that got to do with anything? Well, the, the phrase that I pulled out of the video was he said, quote, not everyone dies in God's timing. What, what does that mean? Not everyone, everyone dies in God's timing from, from Adam and, and Genesis all the way to the end of history. Every person will die in God's timing. Meaning that someone else took this child and that it was against God's will. Uh, that's, or, it would have I mean, to be. That's how it came across. Well, it would have to like, be. The problem is, and he's going to use, I've watched Bill Johnson. I've watched this video. He uses a verse out of uh, John. He uses a verse out of Acts. He uses a verse over here. And this is the idea. Let's piece Matthew together. And, right. Let's piece together theology based on one verse that I'm going to take completely out of context. And the Bible doesn't work like that. You can do that all day long, but do you think God is paying attention to you when you're doing that? Uh, I, absolutely not. There are so many theological problems with the Bethel church and their theology. Um, and it, and people could sit there and say, no, that's not true, but you can absolutely look at what is going on right now. And you're going to wind up having to agree with that. Their theology is messed up. It's not right. There's nothing wrong with praying for something and asking God for something, but you have to be willing to accept that it may not go the way that you want. And you have to be understanding that this might be the Lord's purpose and plan. But if we're in a place of defiance and we're going to demand, then we're, what are we even, it's really borderline cultish if you want to honest truth. And I'll throw that out there. I know there might be some other people saying it, but it's very borderline cultish behavior. Well, I mean, if this is what they truly believe and that's what they say, and that's what's on their website, then you have to give it to her. I mean, she's living out what supposedly their belief is. I will honestly, sure, why not? But so do those people who went with Jim Jones down to South America and drank the Kool-Aid and killed themselves. Uh, Just because people follow through with something doesn't mean it's right. Yeah, you're great. You're living that out and you're really believing it, but it doesn't make your theology correct. And that's the concern. Because what's going to happen is, is you're going to have, and maybe this is a good waking up point for some people because they're going to, some people are going to be really disillusioned with this. And they're going to say, I don't understand. We, we believe all this. You told us all this, but nothing happened. 
you know, there's going to be some people who are really going to be disillusioned. Now, the other side of this, which I found very interesting, is that they've set up a GoFundMe page. Did you know about this? Right, to, to help with, I assume, help with what? funeral? No, I, I mean, no, I don't, I don't it doesn't say that. It's to help the family, right? But they've set up a goal for $100,000. If you have the faith that you have that God is going to raise this from the dead, what do you need $100,000 for? There won't be a funeral. And see, this is the problem that you, that is your faith. That's fine. But what you're doing is people who have not your faith is the first thing that they go to is, why do you need money? Oh, absolutely. But, like, the, but you're putting it on the line. You're saying, uh, we, we are going to stand in this and we're going to believe this and we're going to wait for this and it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. Um, and we would like a hundred thousand dollars on the side. <laughs> I mean, I don't. And so far it's raised $46,000. Um, I don't understand that. I'm, I'm not saying you're, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Um, so anyway, just wanted to talk about this a little bit because, um, there's a lot of research. Uh, there's a lot of, there was a lady who went to the Bethel school of ministry who came out of it. I can't think of her name off the top of my head. We'll find it for another later podcast. We'll probably, we might dig a little bit into this some more into the new apostolic reformation because it is a very, um, I definitely so, think there's a lot more content than what we're trying to squeeze oh, absolutely. in because we're coming up to... Absolutely. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely come back to this probably after um, probably after January sometime because we've got a lot of the podcasts we wanted to hit on um, and some other things we wanted to go after. But this is, honestly, this is in the news. I saw it on Drudge Report today. Yeah, I mean, today. it's not just Christian no. publications. It's, no, it has been it's picked up by mainstream second media. Second level outside. And if, if this, if the, uh, here's the thing, if the little girl is not raised from the dead, it damages the name of Jesus. It's going to damage in the public eye. It's going to damage his name because they're going to say, you believe something that is not true. And you've been telling people something that is not true. Um, so it's really concerning. So we honestly have been praying for those, the folks who lost their kids. It's horrible. Um, that they can accept the Lord. What, what, state of mind you would be in. No, I, I can't imagine. Um, but we want the Lord to do his work and to have his way and his will, that his will is done. That's what we're supposed to pray for. So if you think about it, um, and you may you look it up, you can find their names. Um, maybe pray for them just that the Lord, they can accept what, uh, God has for them in their lives. Um, outside of that, maybe you do some own research on Bethel and look them up and, and find out about this movement Lord and things. And N-A-R. yeah, it's, it's, a uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, because we, we believe and I firmly know, we know that God can do miracles. We know that he can do whatever he pleases. Um, but it's a whole different subject when we decide that we're going to tell him what to do. And that for me is a huge issue because we don't have that authority. We don't have that right. He is a sovereign God and all of this is his. And, uh, if he decides to take a small child or a rich person or an old lady, it's up to him. It's his, it's, it's his world and it's his life. And a lot of people don't like that, that you might say the Lord could take somebody, but you know, they're proclaiming. I mean, Acts says she gave up the ghost. Yeah. I mean, and they're proclaiming, you know, her time's not over. We don't get to set that. We don't mm -hmm. get to say when our time is. This is why it's imperative that we preach the gospel because no one knows when their last moment is. If, and this is one last point that I want to make. If we could do this, if you could uh, get people to come back from the dead, why haven't we done it for the Billy Grahams and the people who were great pastors and the great teachers and the great preachers and your grandmother mother and your mother and the, and the person who died in the hospital with cancer. This is the whole problem. If they went, if that church went to the local hospital and healed everybody in the building, I would believe that they had the power and authority to raise this child from the dead, but they haven't done that because it doesn't work like that. And right. maybe that seems depressing, but I understand who God is. 
Um, so anyway, we just want to talk about that. Uh, hope that uh, if you haven't heard that story, you might want to check it out. Um, share this podcast with your friends and family, like, and share. We appreciate you listening. We're going to be uh, doing a podcast probably on uh, Hanukkah, which is coming up and probably on, uh, does God need us? Mm-hmm. This is a big thing I've been dealing with for the last week in my own mind is does God need me? And, uh, there's some scripture to go along with that. That'll be because everybody wants to feel needed. Absolutely. So <laughs> we're going to get into that and we'll we'll dig a little deeper and see what's going on. But outside of that, we appreciate you. Check out the study of Acts that's coming out on Tuesdays and uh, continue to listen. Thank you and goodbye. Bye. <laughs>